tired of selling packs. I think I need a bird or two. I think I got the bird flu. I'm tired of selling packs. I think I need a bird flu. What's everybody? It is Jason Jaybird Goldstein here for another episode of The Bird's Eye View. And I'll be honest, we're going to dive right into it. We're going to get right into the nitty gritty. That is college football from the get-go. And look, I'll be honest, guys, Like <clears throat> before I get into it, I'm sorry. I was in Vegas. Uh, I just had an overall really busy week. You know, I was with family Monday. I had a red-eye Monday night, so I didn't really have time to record a podcast Monday. Tuesday, I was a zombie from a red-eye and having to get up for work. Uh, so I figured I'd just wait and come out with a Friday episode. I'm recording shortly before kickoff in the Thursday night game. And yeah, so hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving holiday and with family, friends, good food. I know I did. Uh, for those of you guys who are watching the clips on Instagram, hope you like the Larry David sweater. Uh, yeah, I'm a big Curb guy. Curb has been great this season. Oh, and it's always sunny came back. So it's been a pretty good time for TV. Unfortunately, it's not been a good time for my college football team as I just, it sucks. Like, it, it, yeah, it's Thursday now. It still sucks that we lost to Michigan. And it wasn't one of those games where, oh, this could have, if this happened, if this happened, we win. No, we were just completely outplayed right from the start. You know, Ohio State, now there, there's, there were some questions about their defense, but have been playing a lot better in recent weeks. You know, outside of uh, Purdue, the defense has really looked much improved since the Tulsa game. But here, Michigan just tore us apart running it down our throats, and, and then from there, like the first drive, they go down the field, they score a touchdown, and it's 7 nothing. Immediately, Ohio State botches the kickoff, and all of a sudden, they're backed up deep inside their own territory, and they go three and out. That set the tone early for the game, and I just, I, I still can't believe we lost, man. This really sucks. I mean, our line of scrimmage was horrible. The penalties, the false starts, we were completely undisciplined, and and that's where it starts and ends. The line of scrimmage. Michigan's line of scrimmage dominated Ohio State's line of scrimmage. I mean, they ran for 297 yards. Hassan Hassan's five touchdowns. It was clear. You couldn't stop the run. You know what was coming, Ohio State. And you still couldn't stop the run. Just pathetic. Well, for us, you know, our offensive line was, it wasn't bad. But they still had a ton of false starts penalties that moved drives back. That made third and sh- that made third manageable, third and short coming to third and long situations. And they still allowed Michigan to get pressure on CJ Shroud. Where, you know, they didn't get pressure on Stroud all game, but they got more pressure on him than Ohio State did on either McCarthy or, Mc- or McAmara. And it just allowed that's why Michigan was able to dominate. Uh, they didn't pass the ball that much, but when they did, they were making big plays. There was the flea flicker. There was the big deep pass uh, in the second half where they really exploded. They could have gotten us on that one play where we jumped off sides. So overall, just we didn't play well on both sides of the football. Uh, their pressure really stalled our drives. From day, you know, there was some bad play calling on his part. Lots of second and, da- second and long runs. Some questionable third down runs as well from Ryan Day. So the offense, so the I'm not gonna put this on him. And there are people freaking out about Ryan Day. Oh, whoa, whoa, Day! You know he lost the game. He lost the game. He doesn't have it. Day's a great coach. This was just one bad game 
from him play calling. Uh, it sucked. And also, we, we should have received the ball, in my opinion. I know usually you like to get the ball in the second half. But look, this game, we were playing in the snow uh, on the road. Your offense is the best in the country. Go out. You're likely not starting with the ball inside your own five-yard line if you receive the start of the game. You know, potentially, you drive down the field and get a good start rather than getting behind 7 nothing and being backed up. So, who knows? Uh, it still just sucks. And, hey, like, you know, I questioned, you know, Ryan Day's coaching, but the defensive coaching was just awful. I mean, no, but no doubt our defense improved when Matt Barnes took over. But overall, the defense was just not good. And that's really where it came down to. The, the offense had its faults. A couple of the false starts. There were some drops here and there. And that had to do with the snow. But overall, man, like, uh, it was on the defense. You know, we're running a 4-2-5 against Michigan. You know, why, why do you have five DBs against a team that runs the ball like more than, more than two-thirds of the time? Made no sense to me. And look, I understand. We don't have the linebackers for that. Like, I don't think I think we had a I think we had a backup tight end just as an emergency linebacker for us. You know, we definitely didn't have the personnel if we wanted to run a four four three. Uh, but you know, at the very least, maybe at least throw an extra linebacker in there. Just I don't know, man. Because right, I mean, the defense was just underwhelming all year long. You know, the linebacking core. Look, Steel Chambers was a fine player. But when your when your best linebacker is a former running back who didn't change change until this year, that's that's a pretty big deal. Uh, Tommy Eichenberg he struggled a lot of times. Cody Simon was very meh. Uh, you know they need to get some linebackers at the end of the day. Straightforward. Now I was hoping that with Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame, they could snap Mark nab Marcus Freeman with Ohio State connections to be their DC. Obviously now he's the head coach of Notre Dame there, so that really sucks. Uh, but yeah, at the end of the day, like. Stuff needs to turn it around. The secondary was, you know, not as good as it's been, although Denzel Burke is going to be a star. Uh, the D-line, like, you know, we didn't have that boast of that Chase Young that we've had in recent years. Everybody expected Zach Harrison to take that leap. Well, he didn't. Uh, you know, Tyreek Smith was good, but none of the other – no one on that defensive line was a true difference maybe that we've had in recent years. Uh, look, I mean, Jack Sawyer – He's supposed to be this Bosa, Chase Young type guy. You know, he was quiet as a freshman, and that's fine. Be due to the depth of the defensive line. Expecting him to step up and have a major role next year. You know, Tyleek Williams, he was one of the top-rated freshmen in the country in the first half of the season, kind of slowed down in the second half. And JT Tuamoli as well, one of the highest-rated recruits. So t lots of good freshman talent on this defense. But, again, the linebacking core needs to be fixed, and it's time for a new defensive, uh, defensive system. I mean, I'm upset. It sucks. Uh, you know, the closer this game got, I got more and more nervous. When I saw that snow, I had a weird, weird feeling in my stomach that this was not going to be a game that easily went Ohio State's way. I just, uh, that, that, that was just my gut feeling. And sure enough, the game didn't go our way. Uh, it sucks. Like, I'm seeing, you know, Michigan, and it, the worst thing that stuff, Michigan fans are memeing on Ohio State fans, and they have every right to, you know, any Ohio State fan argue and try and say, oh, yeah, we've won this out of the past many years, blah, 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 blah. Stop making that argument that we've done with the rivalry the last few years, because guess what? This was the biggest game in the rivalry, uh, second biggest game, second biggest game in the rivalry since 2006. Uh... You know, 2016 obviously was the one, only one bigger than this, and 2006 was 
biggest game of all time behind this rivalry. And we lost. Just it sucks. Like uh, I congrats, like Michigan and Harbaugh. Congratulations. Nobody, nobody gave them a chance. Ohio State Twitter, Ohio State fans, the players—they're all very cocky. The alumni. Nobody believed in Harbaugh this game, and guess what? He came out, he was a seven-point underdog, and he beat the Buckeyes, the team that's had the, the monkey on his back after all these years. Michigan is now number two. Like, congrats for them, but screw them. I also can't stand them. Sucks. We, we waste the senior years of Olave, probably Garrett Wilson's final year. We had this explosive offense, three of the best receivers in the country, a stud freshman running back. One of the best freshman quarterbacks in the country. And here we go. We falter to our rival. Just Let's look at this defense. In the last three really big games have faltered. Oregon, Bama, Michigan. Michigan. Yeah, Michigan State. The defense showed up for that game. And credit to them for that. But all these teams completely outplayed and outmuscled us on defense. It's time for a change on the defensive end of things. Uh, see, like, I, I watched this game from the sports book in Vegas. Uh, again, like, outside of NFL Sunday, I was pretty back and forth, so I didn't get to watch too much. I watched a little bit more of some of the games. Uh, I got to watch Bama and Auburn, and, like, Auburn really should have won this game, man. Like, I would have loved to have seen that Bama and Ohio State both falter. You know, Ohio State might, might even have a chance of getting in as a two-loss team, which they still might. Uh, but, like, they struggled all game. Uh, they had, they had no points for the first 50 minutes, and, like, people were starting to tweet, oh, my God, they won. I had a tweet in my drafts ready. Then the Auburn running back runs out of bounds. Bama gets time. Of course, Bama drives down the field, and, of course, Bama ties the game, and, of course, this game goes to overtime, well, four overtimes, and, of course, Bama wins it. Like, I, I, I Auburn really should have won this game, man. Like, yeah. Bama loses this game all of a sudden, even with the loss. CJ Stroud's the Heisman front runner, maybe. But now Bryce Young, he drives down the field. He has a potential Heisman moment. Could potentially back it up with a show in the SEC title game. Uh, I hate that Bama escape. Like, hell, Bo Nicks might be able to win the Heisman just because this Auburn quarterback did so bad, just because they couldn't close out the game. Just embarrassing. Uh, the third big game of the day, I didn't really get to watch it because I actually was uh, at a show with my family, a bedlam. Uh, see ya, the Sooners. Sooners are done, eliminated, no more, overrated. And yeah, see ya, Lincoln Riley, who bolts for the USC job, but I'm going to talk about that a little at the end of the college football segment. Uh, Baylor beats Texas Tech. Texas Tech gave him a lot more of a game than I expected. Uh, but Baylor, they go to the Big 12 title game. Michigan State beats Penn State in a high-scoring thriller. Kenneth Walker, Sean Clifford both shine. Michigan State completes a really impressive 10-2 season. Uh, morbid 10 news. Wisconsin suffers a huge loss to Minnesota. And I actually have the upset predicted. Uh, you, know, I, I, you know, Wisconsin, they're using the Big Ten title game almost every year. But not anymore because they falter this year against that Minnesota team who had been weird. You know, they, Minnesota had lost to, lost to Illinois. They lost to Bowling Green. They barely beat Miami, you know, Miami of Ohio from the MAC. And yet they beat a Wisconsin team that was one of the hottest teams in the country coming in. Good for them. They get the Paul Bunyan trophy. And, like, you know, I had that upset predicted. 
I just really wish that Nebraska was able to beat Iowa because then we would have had absolute chaos. We would have had a four-team tie with six and three in the in the Big Ten West. Or excuse me, yeah, yeah, six and three. Uh, but Nebraska again, it's another Scott Frost L. And look, this is another game I didn't get to watch, but I looked at the box score. I mean, Jesus, Nebraska's up 21-9 entering the fourth quarter. A block punt, a safety from Iowa scores. Then another just 10 points, and all of a sudden this game, Iowa wins 20-21. Embarrassing. Uh, Look, I mean, the crazy thing for Nebraska is they they finished season 3-9. One win in the Big Ten, and their point differential was even. One and eight, they went one and eight in the Big Ten, and then even dip point differential. Forty-eight, they won forty-eight by forty-eight against uh, Northwestern. Their combined losses to the other Big Ten teams, forty-eight points. I mean, the margin of defeat there. They lost seven games, or they lost eight games by a combined forty-eight points. A total of a six, an average of six, six points per game margin. Those poor, poor Cornhuskers. Uh, Georgia, congrats to them for going undefeated and beating Georgia Tech. Uh, they have clearly the best team in the country. Uh, Florida beats Florida State in a really ugly, sloppy game. They won with no Mullen, and it was kind of sad. You know, these were two, like, big-time schools, proud, you know, really good football schools, and they both just, both just did not, both were 5-6. and six. Winner went to a bowl, loser didn't. Florida goes to the bowl. And they'll have Kevin Pierce as their new head coach. But Florida State has another another bullish season and continue. Just Florida State's had an incredible, incredible fall from the top from where they once were. Uh, so that's really better from this week. Like it's hard to digest. You know, robbery week is always fun. Uh, trust me, I would have rather been at the sports book than at that show with my family. I'll tell you that much. Uh, especially it was a little hectic. Uh, but the coaching carousel was just crazy. And I mentioned earlier, Lincoln Riley, he says, see ya, Oklahoma, and he goes to USC, and that's a hell of a move for Lincoln Riley. And look, a lot of these guys who came to Oklahoma, they didn't come to Oklahoma because that's the Oklahoma brand. They came to play for Lincoln Riley. And now Lincoln Riley is going to uh, is going to California, like a California, a place where they get a lot of good recruits, a lot of good quarterbacks. And he's looking around as a hell of a recruiter. He's going to keep a lot of that California talent in state, and that's big for USC. Now the Pac-12, you know, they've they've kind of been disrespected. Uh, you know, not really looked at as much of a real threat to the Power Five as some of the other conferences in the eyes of the committee. Well, with USC, that's about to change. Lincoln Raleigh has a hell of a roster with him. He's going to bring a hell of a roster. I imagine Caleb Williams transfers with him, and we're going to get a damn good USC team next year. And Lincoln Riley's going to build a special program. They've had a long revolving door of uh, Sarkeesian, Clay Helton, uh, Lane Kiffin. But Lincoln Riley, this is the move that I think really makes a difference for them. Uh, and you can't blame it. You know, if you're an Oklahoma fan, you can't be mad. You see that contract he got? $110 million. And that's not all. Brian Kelly goes to, pe- to become the head coach of LSU. Uh, this is a shocking move. Now, I will this hire for LSU. LSU, obviously, their last three coaches have won national titles, so there's a pretty high standard there. But Brian Kelly is a hell of a coach. He has a strong X's and O's, guys. Now, Louisiana, a lot of people come there because they want to play for for, uh, the LSU Tigers. Simply as that. Now you're getting a great coach and a great recruiter in Brian Kelly, 
who has excellent X's and O's, and he's going to use those X's and O's to really put some of these four-star, five-star players to work and put them in the right position to succeed. Uh, that's an awesome hire for LSU. It's a huge brand for him. And again, he's a hell of a coach. Uh, Notre Dame has always been in it, even if they haven't played the hardest schedule and they've been left out because they haven't been in a conference. Notre Dame has consistently been a good team, even making it to a national title game one time. Uh, I'm really excited to see what Brian Kelly does at LSU. Uh, that's awesome. Kind of shocked. Like, for him, it was a smart move. I mean, if I'm a Notre Dame fan, I'm upset that he left before the bowl game. I would have waited for at least the bowl game to end for him to announce it. Especially with this team potentially contending for the college football playoff. That being said, the college football playoff. Uh, let's talk about that. So it's a mess right now. Uh, Georgia, they're in no matter what, win or lose. Uh, Bama and Michigan, you think with a win, they're both in, I would say. Uh, since If Oklahoma State and Cincinnati win, both of them, you have to decide. All right, are you going to put in a one-loss Oklahoma State team in a Power 5 who just beat Oklahoma, who just now had three straight top 15 victories over Oklahoma twice and Baylor in the Big 12 championship game? Or are you going to stick with Cincinnati who's undefeated and they have the better win uh, over with Notre Dame who will probably be at six? Uh, now, my opinion, that now if, again, if they went out, it's going to be one Georgia, if one Georgia uh, two Michigan, or if Bama wins, it'll be one Bama, two, two Georgia, three Michigan, uh, four. I think that they'll give it to Cincinnati because of the undefeated record. I think that win over Notre Dame will be stronger than any of Oklahoma State's victories. Uh, and that, that's just a scenario if it comes down to Oklahoma State versus uh, Cincinnati for that final spot. I don't know if they'll move Cincinnati down a spot unless Oklahoma State absolutely decimates Baylor and since he doesn't look too great against Houston. But in my opinion, I don't think it's even going to matter because I think Iowa's going to upset Michigan here. That's right. And I also think that Georgia is going to beat Bama. So that's right. Like, my college football playoff is going to look pretty crazy right there. Georgia's going to get in for being the number one seed. Uh, I think Oklahoma State and Cincinnati both get in. Cincinnati goes undefeated. Oklahoma State wins the Big 12. And that last team, I think it's going to be Notre Dame. Uh, that's right. I have some craziness going on in the college football playoff. Uh, I just think Georgia is better than Bama. Simply as that. I think this Bama team is not that good. Now, if Bama beats Georgia that in that scenario, it would be Bama, Georgia, Oklahoma State, Cincinnati. I, look, I mean, if Michigan loses and Oklahoma – Michigan, Oklahoma State, Cincinnati. If one of those teams loses, they're out, and the other two win, they're in. Now, chaos could unfold if, uh, if uh, two of Michigan and Cincinnati and – uh, if two of Michigan, Cincinnati, and Oklahoma State lose, then chaos just unfolds because you open the floodgates for Notre Dame, for uh, two-loss Alabama potentially, uh, for you know two-loss Iowa. Who knows? There, there's a lot that can go on this week. Uh, realistically, I don't think Cincinnati loses. I mean, it's fair to say that they'll go undefeated. Uh, but Oklahoma State and Michigan are no locks. Like, if they both lose, I assume Notre Dame's in. But then, you know, you have two lost Iowa, you have two lost Iowa State, two lost Michigan, two lost Bama. Just oh, a whole lot that could happen. And I think Iowa's going to beat Michigan. You know, so this is the perfect matchup for Iowa. Uh, you know, Michigan, they, they, they dominate running the football. They're not going to beat you strongly by passing the ball. And Iowa, 
That's what they do. They play great defense, one of the best defenses in the Big Ten. They can smother that Michigan offense the way the Ohio State defense wasn't. Now, you know, for the thing is, like, Iowa's offense isn't that good either, and Michigan's defense is really good. This is going to have that classic Big Ten slugfest feel to it. Iowa, Michigan, both defenses going at it. Uh, I'm going to take, but I'm going to take Iowa. Now, I think Michigan might be the slightly better team and uh, a slightly better defense. But I do think that, you know, I, I don't think Spencer Petrus or McNamara is that good. But I think for Michigan, they're going to be riding the high last week. We, th- this is college football. College, in college football, you know, when you get one of your biggest wins, you're likely to falter the next week, and I expect that to happen. It would be so college football and so Jim Harbaugh. And Jim Harbaugh needs to show me he can win back-to-back huge games against Ohio State and then that Big Ten championship game. So I have Iowa winning. And then I have my playoff again being one Georgia, two Cincinnati, three Oklahoma State, four Notre Dame. A very, very weird college football playoff. And now we're going to move on. We're going to talk about the NFL. Uh, so first off, I mean, well, I'm actually, as I'm recording, it's about a tip-off, kick-off, excuse me. There's a night football between the Saints and the Cowboys. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna so I'm gonna be giving my AFC and NFC, you know, playoff picks as we're three quarter after two thirds of the way done through the season now. Uh, I'm sort of gonna talk about what, what it's been through the first twelve weeks, you know. I, I'll, I'll give some live updates as this game goes along. Uh, first off, NFL Sunday was sick. I watched it live from the Vegas sports book. Uh, that was incredible. Stayed there for all the games. Like I'll tell you, if you want to go to a sports book and you uh, in Vegas and you want to gamble. You really have to like get up and get your day going. Like football kicks off there at ten a.m. You gotta get there by like nine, because by then the line to get the tickets by nine thirty is long. Where I had to be betting mobile because I just want to get my ticket in time. And yeah, it was just pretty like wild there, but it was this awesome sight, uh, amazing. Uh, before I get to those games from the sports book, I'm gonna quickly go to Thanksgiving games. You know, another Thanksgiving game, another Lions loss. Uh, you know, I thought this was the game they'd win. I had them winning it, but again, they blow it. Uh, the Raiders beat the Cowboys. The game was a decent game, like high-scoring, entertaining. Cowboys nearly come back. Uh, Highest-viewed game in, in years for Thanksgiving. But then the penalties ruined it. A, tw- a combined 28 penalties. Uh, that was a pain in the ass. You know, on that game-winning field goal, there was f- they'd, be, they'd kick it like three or four times. It was insane. I'll give Vegas the credit, though. The offense was rolling. They were hitting their D plays and exposing that weak Dallas secondary. And really, they saved the season here. And then there was the ball, the Bills blowing out the Saints. I mean, Tredavious White got hurt, which is a big, big loss uh, for them. It's going to be interesting to see how they respond, how they look this week, Monday night against the Patriots without Tredavious White. Uh, but Allen and the Bills offense look bad to being who they've been this season. And, uh, yeah, good win for them. All the Saints, they're turning the Taysom Hill tonight now. Because, you know, they, Simeon was not getting the job done. And his NFL Sunday from the sports book was nice. I mean, finally, on the last podcast, something on the videos, on the podcast, multiple times, I was checking Twitter, hoping Jason Garrett would be fired, and he wasn't. Well, finally, Jason Garrett gets fired later that day, finally. But, you know, the offense, I will say, like, the offense was not better this week. That being said... You know, in place of Freddie Kitchens, I will say, like, he would have better than Jason Garrett. Now, the offense this week, a big part of it was not, was the execution. You know, guys missing their blocks. Saquon, well, if he was, if there was a hole, not being able to find the hole. 
know, miscommunication on some throws. But overall, like Freddie Kitchens, I thought, played a good game. He mixed up the playbook, got the read option in there, got the deep ball in there. Uh, you know, some trick plays. I mean, the end around fail, but the end around fails all the time for the Giants. So what are you going to do about it? Uh, overall, I just thought it was a really, like, you know, it was a better called game than we've seen from Jason Garrett all year. The offense, again, still had its issues. It's going to have its issues as long as the offensive line is bad. But credit to the defense, man. That was awesome. It was making the plays when we needed. But that defense forced four turnovers. And hell, like, we still almost lost that game because the offense couldn't execute and put the Eagles away. But credit to our defense. Xavier McKinney balled out once again. He's been having a really strong sophomore season. And he's following that line of Bama safeties. The Landon Collins. The uh, Eddie Jackson. Xavier McKinney is really coming his own. I'm excited to see what he does, you know, the last six games and next year. You know, the ball was spread out a good amount. Uh, just, I wish we could run more. That's the biggest thing. Uh, credit of the defense, though, man. Patrick Graham, he's, he's the unit that has played really well as of late. Uh, they, they did struggle with stopping the run. But they, when, it came down to, when it came down to it, they bent but didn't break. The Eagles could get their rushing yards, but they couldn't get in the end zone. Uh, you know, Jalen Hurts. The big thing was make him win that game. Yeah, with Ohio State, Michigan just kept running and running and running. You know, they didn't have to put the game in McNamara's hands. Eventually, the Giants had to put the game in Jalen Hurts' hands, uh, and he couldn't win the game. Now, I thought we were going to win this game. I've seen this. I mean, any Giants fan, it's the same old classic story. You've seen it time and time again, year and year again. Uh, we're playing the Eagles. Uh, you know, we have the ball. We have a good chance to win. All we need is a first down. We don't get it. We punt the ball back. Eagles score. You know, it's, a, it's as tail as old as time, basically. Surprisingly, we actually hold on and win the game. And that was awesome. But apparently, DJ Daniel Jones got hurt early. He's hurt. Uh, they say he might play this week. It might be Glenn time. I don't know. I'm going to get into that in my preview show. Uh, but, you know, this isn't good. Like, he needs to be healthy. These last seven games. And I was on a Twitter spaces last night. Uh, you know, I have a lot to get to, so I don't want to dive too deep into the Twitter spaces. But a lot of that was talking about Daniel Jones and if he's the guy, how these next seven games are really important for evaluating him, or six games. So, you know, if he stays healthy, how he does in the Freddie Kitchens offense. So, that, you know, the next time we have a QB, or for our next coach, they can really gauge, okay, we want Daniel Jones. Or maybe he's a bridge guy, maybe we want another guy, who knows. Just, hopefully he's back and, like, you know, it was a win, but, like, the Giants haven't had a nice, fun, good win Really ever. And, like, years. It's frustrating. Uh, but that's it. So, you know, other games, Falcons, Jaguars. So, to be honest, like, the way it was set up, there's four games in the middle, two games to the left, and one game to the right during the 1 o'clock games. I was a little to the left, so I didn't get to see much of Falcons, Jaguars. Uh, it was the TV far away from me. But I'll say I had Falcons money line. That was free money. Like, they're bad, but they're good enough to beat, like, the worst teams. You know, they beat the Dolphins, who also look better now. So credit to them and those Dolphins. Like if they beat those, if they beat that Falcons team, they are six and six because this Dolphins team's really playing well. They had a hell of a game this week beating the Panthers on defense. The Dolphins defense just four tur or three turnovers. Cam Newton looked like he had no idea what he was doing. They're in the worst game of his career. Now people thought, oh, could Cam come in and be the savior? Well, he got benched. He was five of twenty-one. Five of twenty-one. Carolina got flat out dominated this game. I had them winning this game, but oh boy, was I wrong. Tua was very efficient once again. He's played a lot better. He and Jalen Waddle had that connection like like it was in Alabama again. 
Just overall, the Panthers played horribly. And the Dolphins just are now 5-7. and seven And, like, you know, the Dolphins, they're sneakily in that race. The Dolphins are sneaking in that race. You know that? Anyways. Oh, boy, Nick's down 14. That's not good. Uh, anyways, now we're going to move on and go to the next game. The Patriots and the Titans now. The, pa- the Patriots just continue to roll. I thought this would be a ball game. Uh, but they just rolled the Titans. Look, the Titans, they do what they like to do. Even without Henry, they continue to run the football. Two guys at over 100 yards. Man, this team, they're a lot different without their big three. Derrick Henry, Julio Jones, and now A.J. Brown, who missed this game, is now on the IR. Like, that big three is huge. I thought they'd have one of the most potent offenses in football. And when they were healthy, the offense, the sky was the limit. But now that they're not healthy, all three of those guys are hurt. The schedule's lined up for them. But they haven't looked the same since that Rams game after losing to the Texans, getting blown out by the Patriots. They have to take advantage of this easy schedule because, like, it's they, they, you have to be the number one seed in the, if you want to win, especially and get that bye. And we don't know if Henry's going to be back. And just huge, huge win for the Patriots. Uh, this one, the Steelers and the Bengals. This was a blowout where the Bengals win. And the Steelers honestly just stink. Like, I thought this, we were going to get a good game here. Steelers don't want to get swept. You know, I think this is the first time the Bengals swept Pittsburgh since 2009 with Carson Palmer. But now they're 7-4. They're rolling. Like, the schedule gets harder. They have the Chiefs. They have rematches against the Ravens. They have Browns. They have the Chargers. They have the Niners, the Broncos. Like, six teams all in the playoff race. But right now, the Bengals, even with the, you know, the offensive line is not great. But Burrow, the offense is rolling. He has Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. Joe Mixon is one of the hottest running backs in football right now. The, the, you know, the O-line's not great in pass protection, but it's creating holes for Mixon. The defense is one of the more underrated in football. This Bengals team looks good. and they, they, It seems like they're not scared of facing all these teams in the playoff picture. While the Steelers, they're in the opposite direction. They're falling apart. They fought a 5-5-1. Could be 5-6 and six if they didn't tie with the Lions. No. They have the three division games left, Ravens twice and the Bengals. Uh, excuse me, Ravens twice and the Browns, the Chiefs, the Vikings, and the Titans as well. Like It's a gauntlet, and you know, Big Ben's age, with their injuries and also, they just don't look like they're going to be built for that gauntlet. Uh, the game of the day was the Bucks and the Colts. So, you know, twice in this game I placed a live pin on the Bucks, and they win, and they come back, and they I, I, hit, I hit pretty big on those. So the first half, the Bucks turn it over just a ton. And then the second half, it's the Colts with the turnovers. The Bucks, you know, their elite run defense, quote-unquote, limited Taylor, who had just 83 yards, albeit on 16 ca- carries. Now, the first half of the game was Wentz, you know, throwing the ball deep, hitting T.Y. Hilton deep, hitting Michael Pittman, really igniting this Colts offense. But the second half, we saw a lot more of last year's Carson Wentz, dealing with the turnovers, most – most of them resulting in points for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. No. Leonard Fournette absolutely killed the Colts. Had a big day. He was against me in fantasy also. The Colts, they lost a heartbreaker. For them, this is a huge missed opportunity. Look, they have the Texans this week. In all likelihood, they win that game. They win this game. They're 8-5 and five entering that bye week. And they're likely one of the teams in the front-running position to win a wild-card spot. As opposed to now, they'll sort of be in the mix and the chase and probably having to grind it out. All the way through until week 18. Uh, Brady, though, like, he wanted this game. 
he won. You know, he wasn't going to let this team beat down and lose another game. You know, they lost the game to Washington. They lost the game a couple weeks ago to uh, uh, not the Rams, uh, New Orleans. He won this game. He came out, wanted the, not wanted to come back, and he beat Indy and haunted that stadium as he always does. Uh, the last one o'clock game was really just the Texans and the Jets. Like the Jets won. So overall, good day for New York football. Like kind of a sloppy game. It was turnover filled. Uh, the defense won this game for the Jets. You know, not this was a two win win between two two win teams. Not gonna dive too much into it. The Packers beat the Rams, and the Rams look to be in trouble. I thought they were coming off a bye. Okay, this is where they get right. But they continue to look slow on offense. Now, they had the 17 points in the second quarter, but they were scoreless in the first and the third. Uh, they didn't get 11. They, you know, they got 11 garbage time points. Offense, without Robert Woods, continues to look really rough. Uh, you know, I trust McVay. I think McVay's going to get right. I don't think he's a bad coach. Like, or, you know, he's a great coach. He's going to figure out how to ride the ship. Uh, Odell, you know, he had some impact plays this game. He made the, you know, the big touchdown and some other plays here and there. They're still talking about, you know, he's getting more adjusted to the offense. So, but he's going to need to, especially with Woods out. Uh, they need, the, you know, I need to see some more from this offense. I'm a bit worried about them, you know, the way had, if they if they can contend for the postseason, especially without their guy Robert Woods. Now the Packers continue to roll. You know, they go four zero against the NFC West. Uh, you know, Randall Cobb and Rodgers. It was looking like the old Randall 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 and Rodgers days again before he got hurt. Adams kind of beat Ramsey, and the Packers, man, continue just to really not get phased by anything. And even with that loss into the Vikings, look well on their way to an NFC West title, NFC North title. The Rams at 7-4, and four, like, they have their issues, but they're fine. Uh, the Vikings and the Niners, I mean, Kirk Cousins sucks, man. Like, this is my biggest bet of the day. I had the Vikings money line, and they just folded. Now, early they looked good. But they fucked it up in the huge moments. You know, there was the pick. You know, they gave the Niners a short field. Lining up under a guard. How do you line up under the guard, Kirk Cousins, after waste of timeout? That's just pathetic. You're in the NFL. How do you not line up under center? Embarrassing. Like, Kirk Cousins deserves to be mean. He deserves to get laughed at. And they find a way to lose, as they always do. Just embarrassing. All these close games for the Vikings. Like, Jesus Christ. That was such a stupid, stupid pick from me. Uh, man, like... Uh, I, I'm just pissed about it. Now, you know, for them, they lose Dalvin Cook. A huge loss. Got carted off. Shoulder injury appears to be done for the season. You could tell by his emotion there. Luckily for them, they have Alexander Madison, one of the better backups in the league. But this was a huge game in the wild card race. The winner would have had a leg up for the sixth and the seventh spot. Uh, right now, that's the Niners. And for the credit to Kyle Shanahan, they were 3-5. and five. Shanahan was on the hot seat. Since then, they've won three games in a row, including the Vikings and the Rams, who are also who are in the playoff race. They go to six and five, uh, while the Vikings these just these close games continue to haunt them. Chargers, Broncos, and this is just a boring game. The Broncos' offense started hot, were up fourteen nothing, but from there, just defensive stop after defensive stop after defensive stop. So this is just. Uh, just like sad and just like boring to watch. That's all it was. I didn't really, you know, I tried and I was sort of paying attention to it, but at the same time, I was more focused in the way other, uh, more focused in the other two games. 
Uh, Chargers, though, like, you know, Broncos, they're, they're six and – like, they're all six and five now in the AFC West, and that's crazy. You know, Broncos sneakily six and five. Chargers, after a hot start, now six and five. Another sloppy game, though, this game was really hard to watch, was the Sunday night game. Like, I, you know, I was pretty tired, long Sunday, the sports book, again, to be up early. And just, you know, it was a sloppy. Lamar had three interceptions in the second quarter, four picks in the game. And the Browns still lose. Just like, oh, my God. Like, I was I was barely able to keep my eyes on watching this game. It's a brutal schedule for both for the Browns now. Like, injuries and drama derailed them. Look, they, they're falling for the second time in three years with expectations. And I'll be honest, I missed the Washington football team game against Seattle from my flight home. I mean, I saw it was nuts with just 18 minutes of total possession for the Seahawks. I know they had the one big drive down the field, and they made it 17-15. to 15. Then they missed the onside kick after a penalty. But this was a big game for the playoff race. Seattle's effectively out of it now. If they win, they're 4-7, and seven, still one game back. Now they're two back, and they're pretty much out. Uh, Washington, they've won three games in a row. And like last year, started off with just two wins in the first half. Three wins in a row. They're in that wild card spot now. Like they start slow, and they find themselves in the race. Just crazy. And I want to get into that wild card, that, that the NFC race now. It's just a mess. Like, all right, so the Rams are struggling. It looks like the Cardinals have the NFC West on lockdown now. Bucks have the NFC South on a lockdown. You know, the Packers, I just mentioned, they have the North on a lockdown. You know, Cowboys, Washington's making things interesting now. I mean, this is a huge game tonight. Uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, I'm going to talk as the way the record is now. Uh, but the Cowboys, they have a huge, it's a huge game tonight. They lose this game, all of a sudden they're just a game and a half up on Washington. Right now up two games, they still have two games left against Washington. Uh, I still feel like that they're going to win the East. In my opinion, they're just better than that, than that team is. Uh, so, yeah, I feel like a lot of the division winners we still kind of know. I mean, the wild card, man, is just a mess. Like, I still feel like the Rams, even with their struggles, they're in. But here you go. The Niners are 6-5. and five. And below them, it's just a race of five and six teams. You know, Washington, I mentioned, holds that spot. The Vikings, they are five and six. They, you know, they lost a ton of heartbreakers, better than their record says. The Saints were five and two. Now they're five and six after four losses in a row, minus Jameis Winston. And the Falcons and Panthers, you know, are both somehow five and six. The Falcons from beating up on bad teams. The Panthers do to have the hot start. Now here's what I'm looking at. Like, now the way I'm looking at it, I think the Niners should probably stay ahead of this like of this race. They have the Texans on their schedule and the Falcons. Two games which really should be winnable. Uh, I mean, look, they have the Titans, they have the Seahawks, they have the Rams. Uh, those games are on the Bengals. Like, all four of those games are pretty toss-up for the Niners. That win over the Vikings was huge this week because I think that win is really going to be what helps the Niners really get that extra leg up on all those five and six teams and keeps them in that NFC playoff picture. Uh, I mean, that last spot, though, I mean, Jesus Christ, who are you going to give it to? You know, Washington and the Saints are 5-6, and six, and they both have easy schedules coming up. Washington, you know, they could really take over. They can take two against the Eagles. They could split with Dallas. They, they, they have five division games left. They easily can win four of these division games. They win four games, and Austin and Washington's at 9-8. and eight. You have the Saints, so they have the Jets. They have the Saints and the Panthers, who they're better than. Uh, they have the Dolphins at home on primetime. Like, this race is getting really interesting. And uh, the, Fa- the Falcons and the Panthers, they're 5-6, and six, but they're, they're, they're not really going to make it in there. I'm sorry. Uh, let me make noise. Look, the oh, seven lost teams are in the race, though. Like, 
The Eagles, Giants, and the Bears, they're all mathematically alive. The Giants, baby, were one game back. So are the Bears. Eagles are just a half game back. But I'll be honest, like, us and the Bears, we're not pushing for that wild card spot. Like, you require eight wins to be in the race. Like, neither of those teams is really going to get up to eight wins. It's not going to happen. Eagles, though, like, two games against Washington, a game against us, and they never sweep us. So that four games in the division, they win three of those. All of a sudden, you're looking at a team that has eight wins. And, like, so the Eagles are still pretty possible in that, too. And I'd give the Lions and Seahawks zero chance. But I'm going to say it's Lions and the Niners and the Vikings. I think the Vikings are somehow, even though they have the hardest schedule of the three, going to pull it out I think they have the best team. And the AFC, I mean, every division in the AFC is up for grabs right now. Uh, the AFC East, just like you have the Patriots and the Bills, they're very close. Right now the Patriots have a half-game lead over Buffalo. Huge game this week. You have the AFC North where, you know, the Ravens, they're the, they have the best record in the AFC right now. But the Bengals, they hold the top. They beat the bank. They beat the Ravens already. You know, if they sweep them and the two teams finish tied, that's the Bengals division. I feel like the South is probably locked up for the Titans. You know, if the Colts won this week, that changed everything. And the AFC West is just a mess. All three of the other teams are tied at six and five, while the Chiefs are seven and four. Uh, in my opinion, the Chiefs probably have that division on lockdown, but it doesn't mean that either of those teams are not going to get into the wild card spot. Now, I think that means that that even though the Ravens and the Bills aren't going to necessarily, you know, the Ravens, the, whoever wins doesn't win the AFC North or the AFC East, in my opinion, gets that wild card, gets wild card spots. But in that last wild card spot, oh my goodness, it is a race. I mean, it is a race between, everybody's in the wild, everybody in the AFC is in the wild card minus the Jets, the Jaguars, and the Texans. And, you know, it's not just bullshit like, like three wins and they're in. No, they're actually like pretty good teams. Uh, like let's go with the AFC East first. Uh, I'm gonna say the Bills and the Patriots. Like let's say they split. The ba- the Patriots have the Jags, Dolphins, and Colts left. The Bills will have the Bucks, Panthers, Falcons, and Jets left. My opinion, they split each other. You go undefeated in those games, you probably win the AFC East. Uh, I think they you know they have the same record kind of when they split. The Bills will get that uh, wild card. We'll get that uh, tiebreaker because of the. Dolphins lost from the Patriots, so I like the Bills to win it. Uh, AFC North, I think I got the Bengals. Look, I love the way they won the Baltimore and dominated them early in the year. I think that they'll do it again, much like they dominated Pittsburgh at home. Uh, look, both teams, they have a tough schedule left. I mean, I mentioned every team that the Bengals have left is against teams in the playoff race. The Ravens, same with them. Four division games and the Packers and the Rams. Look, I think it comes down to the Bengals. They're going to sweep the Ravens. I, and I think the, the game is they're going to end up probably tied in the division. But then that sweep from the Bengals is going to be what gives them that division title. Look, go four and two. In my opinion, that's what you have to do. Go four and two. They have to be one game better than Baltimore, even with Baltimore having all those division games. And Cincinnati, then you're in. Uh, look, Chiefs and Titans. I still think they're going to win their divisions. The wild card race, man, is super interesting. Uh, the last spot, again, three AFC West teams. The Steelers, the Browns, and the Colts. And and the Dolphins. Like, the thing is, pretty much all these teams play each other. Not, not really with Miami. Miami has an easy schedule, and that's why all these teams beat up on one another. The Dolphins have potential to sneak back in. Uh, for the AFC West teams, the key is, like, can't, they can't just round robin one another. The Chargers, beat the, the Chargers beat the Raiders. Raiders beat the Broncos. Broncos beat the Chargers. 
Can't be like that again. Someone's gonna have to go two and zero against those other two teams. Uh, you know, Vegas though. They you know they all play Kansas City twice. In the Den- in Denver's case, they play them twice. My opinion: these teams, they, one of them has to go four and two. You all go three and three. You're inviting the Colts. You're inviting the Browns really into that race. Um, I mean, go four and two, and you probably get that last wild card spot. Uh, it's a tall task. It really is. Like Steelers. Probably they have to go nine seven and one, and even then, like that's still not even a guarantee for them. Uh, but I don't see them going four and two against the Ra- two games against the Ravens, the Browns, the Titans, the Vikings, and the Chiefs. That's too much to ask for them, in my opinion. Browns, I said, I think they're just done with their gauntlet. And the Finns, while they're improved, you know, I think they can beat the Jets, they can beat the Giants. I think they pretty much have to win out or go nine and eight. I don't think they're good enough to do that. So I have the Chargers going four and two, getting that last spot. And to quickly recap my playoff teams, I have the Cowboys and the NFC. I have the Cowboys, Packers, Bucks, Cardinals, Rams, Niners, Vikings, AFC, Patriots, Bills, Bengals, Ravens, Titans, Chiefs, and Chargers. Again, so it's week 13. Oh, man, this is a long episode. It's week 13. I'm getting into all right, well, the Saints. They just missed a field goal. Uh... Brett Mayer, that's former Cowboys kicker. Wow. I didn't even realize that he was the kicker for the Saints now. Uh, anyways, so you know, I, I think the Cowboys are winning this game. Uh, that's a conversation for another day. We're going to get into Sunday's game. Week 13, Giants are plus four at the Dolphins. The over-under is 40.5 points. Big question is, will Daniel Jones play this game? Uh, you know, it's two former members of Bill Belichick's staff. You know, at the, I mentioned I got into the spaces. We talked about this game. You know, it's the Patrick Graham revenge game. I think we're in trouble without Daniel Jones. We don't have Daniel Jones. We lose this game. Uh, especially when we don't have Daniel Jones, we're going to have to rely on the run because Mike Lennon is not going to beat this uh, Dolphins team by passing the football. And relying on the run is not going to be fun against a Dolphins team that has really been shut down against the run as of late. And, you know, the offensive line sucks. You know, I, I think Miami should probably have its way in the line of scrimmage up against the Giants. Uh, if Daniel Jones plays, I think it's closer. Uh, I mean, if Daniel Jones plays, I think we win. Actually, I don't even know if we win because I'm not sure how much percent Daniel Jones is going to be. So either way, Jones or Glennon taking the Dolphins to win this game by a field goal. Uh, so I would take Giants plus four, and I would also go under 40 and a half because, come on, you can't go take the over in a Giants game. Uh, box Falcon Bucks are minus ten and a half at the Falcons with an over under of fifty and a half. The Bucks are good. The Falcons aren't like ten and a half is a lot to lay. But again, I just don't trust Atlanta to keep within ten points, especially without Calvin Ridley. Brady continues to dominate the Falcons and the offense. Oh, his offense is good enough. I think this game goes over. Cardinals are minus seven and a half at the Bears with an over under of forty three and a half. Uh, Cardinals are off the bye. Kyler's back. D-Hop is probably back. Cardinals are going to win. I think they'll cover and dominate the Bears. Their offense is good enough, and I think that their offense will probably allow this game to go over because I think Bears could probably get the 10 points, and the Cardinals are going to cross that 30-point threshold. Also, as a reminder, these ga- these lines are brought to you now by MGM Sports. And remember, these lines are as of Thursday, December 2nd. These lines can obviously shift. And remember, these aren't necess- what I am giving are my recommendations for what I would take for the spread, the over-under, not necessarily bets I am taking. As we go to the Chargers, who are plus three at the Bengals with an over-under of 15.5 points. 
So huge game with the Bengals rolling and the Chargers struggling. The top two QBs in last year's draft. You know, Chargers beat the Bengals in week one last year when Herbert didn't play, mostly because of a botched kick uh, from Randy Bullock. This year, the Bengals are going to get it. You know, they have a strong running game. They should really burn that Chargers run defense, which is really suspect. Uh, you know, if the, I think Her- they, the defense has been really good for the Bengals and can really limit Justin Herbert. So Chargers cover, but it's a close game, and this game goes under 50.5. The Vikings are minus 7 at the Lions, over under 46.5. Look, it's the Lions. They'll find a way to lose, but they'll find a way to cover as well. It's the Vikings. I like them to win, especially without DeAndre Swift. So close game with the Vikings. Lions cover plus seven, over under oh, over forty six and a half. Jets defense sucks. Eagles love to run. I think they'll succeed. They win. They cover. You know I'm not trusting the Jets offense. Give me under forty five. Colts have been hot. Though the Colts minus ten at the Texans, over under forty five and a half. The Colts have been red hot lately. They just smack the Texans. They do it again. I think they'll do it again. Cover ten and a half. And same thing, like the way I don't trust the Jets' offense for 45, I don't trust the Texans' offense for 45 and a half, so go under there. The Ravens are four and a, or minus 4.5 at the Steelers with an over-under 44. I mean, look, Steelers, it's reeling. Back-to-back losses, they're 5-5. Five and five. It's a must-win game. I think for them in that must-win game, this is where they do it. They always play great against the Ravens. You know, that's where the NFL works. The Steelers struggling, needing a win, and they'll fall, and they'll beat the Ravens, who are the best record in the AFC, where no team can really – Establish themselves as the clear AFC front runner. You know, they're home dogs. They'll upset. So if they pull off the upset, they cover four and a half. And this will be a defensive slugfest where under 44. Washington football team plus two and a half points at, at Vegas with an over under 49 and a half. Both teams had big wins last week. And wins, you know, and they, the, the wins here will go a long way towards a playoff push for either one of these teams. Uh, I think Vegas gets the home edge here, and Haneke will have a weaker game. Vegas, look, they have a big play offense. They're going to attack that weak Washington secondary. They're going to make the big plays, much what they did last week. They win this game. They cover two and a half points. I don't love their defense. I really don't like Washington, so I love the over in this game. The Jaguars are plus 13 at the Rams when they're over under a 48. This game, I think the Rams get right. Take their anger out. Raw on offense, blow out the Jaguars, shut them down on off, shut down their offense, cover 13. And honestly, like again, this is another case we're not trusting one team's offense, so go under 48. 49ers are minus 3.5 at Seattle with an over-under of 45.5. Another home underdog here. And I think for Seattle, much like Pittsburgh, this is a must-win. They beat San Francisco. They had a, Russell Wilson has lost four straight starts. His last win came against the 49ers. Uh, who have now won three wins in a row. Again, I think this is one of those desperate wins, stop the hot team, make the race interesting here. Uh, this is a bounce-back win. The sixth man's going to help Seattle. They finally end that losing streak. Uh, not the sixth man, the twelfth man helps Seattle. They finally end that losing streak, and it'll be one of those typical Seahawks slugfests, as all their games have been on lately, go under. Uh, Bron- Sunday Night Football's Broncos are plus 9.5 points at the Chiefs. Over under 47 and a half. Like, Chiefs are going to smoke them, cover nine and a half. And this is another case of an offense I don't trust. Go under 47 and a half here. And the Monday night football game. The Patriots are plus three at the Bills with an over under of 42 and a half. 
huge game. Battle for first place in the AFC East here. I talked about this earlier. Uh, Bills, they get the huge win last week. They're snapping out of their funk here. Patriots on a six-game winning streak. I'm going with the Patriots here. Going to Buffalo Monday night and winning the game. Look, Bill Belichick's going to get these guys right. He's going to have these guys fired up, ready for primetime. He loves these moments. These are the moments Belichick lives for. It's going to be the Belichick Monday night show. We get a Monday night over. I think the Bills offense and Patriots offense has played just enough. Played just well enough. Uh, yeah, those are my picks for the week. Uh, yeah, which what I would recommend. Huge, huge things to say. I'm going to quickly recap the Knicks right now. Like, things are not great. Kemba Walker's out of the rotation. And I can't believe that Kemba Walker's out of the rotation already. So this was a fear I had that this could happen to Kemba due to him not playing defense and his knee being a little, you know, not ready for the strain of playing for Thibodeau. You know, thank God this is an $8 million contract and not one of those where he signed him to Max or traded or acquired him in a trade from Boston. So I'm fine with that. Uh, you know, I, I don't love it. I love Kemba. It's sad to see. I hope for him he can find his way back to the quarter, right? But this Knicks seem like they're struggling. Like, you know, even their wins. They, they beat the Lakers a couple weeks later last week, and they're up 25, and yet they can barely close out that game. Like you, they, Can this team play a full 48-minute game? That's one thing I'm asking for. They get blown out by the Suns. Uh, I missed I missed the game against the Hawks, but I know they won. With Alec Burks now starting at point guard instead of Kemba Walker. Uh, I know he I know he did good there. And then I know against the Nets, it was a close game throughout. Oh, man, we're getting blown out by the balls down 18 at the half. Just great. Nets was frustrating game, though. There was bad refing. Like, when I mean, you were the James Harden. James Harden literally traveled, and they missed it. Uh, you know, they, they, there was a soft foul call on Rose. Overall, bad refing. There, there was a Stuart Tentacle on Julius Randle. And just overall, man, like, frustrated that the Knicks didn't win this game. They could have. But it seems like that's been happening a lot lately. And, man, just worried about this team. All right, we're quickly going to end with college basketball. So a lot of these uh, tournaments seem pretty pretty wild. I only caught glimpses here and there of uh, the battles for Atlantis and those ones. But uh, like I didn't, so, but other than that, like, I didn't get to watch much. I watched Zag at UCLA, and I was supposed to go to that game. Now, you know, that game was part of a doubleheader. Bellarmine played Central Michigan. That game started when we went to go buy the tickets, and I couldn't go. Now, I'm glad I didn't go to that game because it sucked. And then the game I really went to, and I went there by myself because no one in my family committed to going. And I went to Gonzaga-Duke, and that was an awesome game, I'll tell you that much. The atmosphere was incredible. You had half the stadium Gonzaga fans, half the stadium Duke fans. It was electric. And this wasn't just an awesome game, too. It wasn't one of those games where all right, some of the game was boring, where they were slow defensive. No, it was Back and forth. Both teams shooting incredibly well. Both teams scoring at a high rate. I think the largest lead of the game was just Duke by nine. Back and forth. A game that really came down to the final minute. And it was awesome. What a win to see. You know, I was. it was awesome. And T-Bob Arena is beautiful. I really enjoyed being able to go see Gonzaga, see Duke, see Duke. One versus five in the country. And then to see Duke pull off the upsets. Be there to see Gonzaga. Well, I guess it wasn't happy Duke won because I hate Duke. But it's cool to see Gonzaga lose their first regular season game in forever. And then Duke, they deserved to win that game. They played well, and they were finally back to number one in the country. Well, not for long. And that's right. The, the reason they weren't the number one team in the country for long was because they played us, and we beat Duke, and it was awesome. Like, definitely, it eased the pain of the Michigan loss a little bit. Didn't heal it, but this was amazing for us. 
Uh, we're unranked. You know, the basketball team hasn't looked too great. Granted, we've had a lot of injuries to start the season. But, man, this was big. You know, we're down 15. You're against Duke. They're rolling. You know, this game, you could easily come in and fold. But, no, Ohio State doesn't fold there. Instead, the defense tightens up there. And at times, it was frustrating because the defense would tighten up. But we couldn't hit our shots. And it'd be like, all right, well, we're not letting Duke score, but we can't cut into this lead. But overall, we eventually we, we score, go on a 13-0 run. Zed Key was awesome inside. E.J. Ledeau hits big shots. Cedric Russell gave big minutes off the bench. And now Cedric Russell, if he can be that guard off the bench, especially instead of Jimmy Sotos, who's absolutely terrible, then that will be huge for the Buckers to have a backup guard off the bench. Uh, Orange hit some threes. And this was a great, great game. What a win. Uh, Duke was shooting 25% in the second half, and that's what changed the game. Now, you know, th- we, we, we almost lost the missed free throws. We had 10 missed free throws at one point. But we hit the free throws the most when they mattered. Win this game. And, and this is just, like, all these games have been crazy. They've, we've had three straight crazy close games. Seton Hall, I missed this game because I was on my flight. But Michi Johnson hits like a crazy game-winning three. Florida, we lose on a buzzer beater. Just absurd because Jimmy Settos also was horrible. Holding on to the ball for too long with bad turnovers, which allowed Florida back in that game. So a third straight close game for the Buckeyes. I mean, first of all, that game, like, Limited Paolo Boncara. Boncara was great against Gonzaga when I was there. Great, just, he's great, Boncara. Barchette kind of struggled in that game. Uh, just awesome win, Buckeyes. Most wins, most wins against the AP number one team as an unranked team in the history of college basketball. What a win, Bucks. Thank you for relieving the pain of that loss. Uh, quick thing. IU beats Syracuse in a crazy, or excuse, Syracuse beats Indiana in a crazy double overtime game. Must win for Cuse, who had really been struggling, couldn't afford to lose a third game. Purdue, they beat Florida State, dominated them. They're the best team in the country. Uh, UNC beat, played, beat Michigan, blew them out. Well, at first, I was watching this game. It's a pretty close game. I went to go take my dog out, come back. UNC's up 20. Georgia stuns Memphis. NC State and Nebraska, crazy four-overtime game. Really crazy, you know. I mean, the two teams who were probably not going to make the tournament, still a fun game they treated us to. This Friday, we have Iowa-Purdue. Huge test for Purdue. First Big Ten game. Kansas against St. John's. It's kind of a test for both teams. And Zaga-Bama to see if Bama can, you know, hand Zaga their second loss of the season. Uh, but that's it. That's my show. There was a lot to talk about. I know, you know, the thing I didn't talk about was the baseball lockout. Well, that's coming. I know, you know, the baseball lockout and free agency, there's a lot to talk about. And this has been a huge episode, as is already. So coming Monday, along with my uh, weekly NFL recap, I'm going to have a whole MLB uh, offseason recap thus far, along with my thoughts on the lockout show. Uh, but again, that's it. I want to thank everybody who supported the podcast thus far. Remember, go check out the Bird's Eye View podcast on Instagram. Go follow Jay Birds Eye View on Twitter for all my latest live reactions to games. Thank you, everybody. Have a great rest of your day.